Hello and welcome to Arbitrary Ramblings, a show where my friends and I attempt to entertain you with random thoughts, facts, opinions, etc. If you enjoy, please make sure to let us know. Without any further ado, let's get right into the content. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Arbitrary Ramblings podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about the current COVID-19 situation in the United States, and we're going to kind of see where the conversation ebbs and flows from there. But Dylan, you want to kick this one off? Yeah. Well, first, I think we should mention that obviously Casey's not here, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. I should have Just a little side note. (laughs) A little side note. But uh, so I want to talk about COVID in two ways today, at least from my side of it. I know you have different stuff, but... uh, so the two I want to talk talk about, and you can pick which one you want to talk about first, is first, schools, and second, uh, like the leagues, like sports leagues that are trying to reopen. So I don't know which one you want to talk about first, but we can talk about either one. Uh, let's talk about sports first. Okay, that's that's the more like entertaining one. The school is okay. more factual and stuff. Well, kind of, <laughs> but it, I was just going to briefly mention it. But all right, so what do you think about the league trying to reopen first, I guess I should say? Um, I, I'm really glad that they're trying and I truly do appreciate, like, I believe that there are some sports agencies who are doing it the right way. Like the UFC, the way they did fight Island was perfect. I can't remember exactly how they did it, but it was like they tested them in their home, wherever they were flying from before they got on the plane. They tested them when they got off the plane. They tested them when they got to, like, Abu Dhabi. And then they were quarantined for two days, and then they were tested again. Yeah. Like, they were tested, like, six times from the point where they left their home country or their home area to get to Fight Island before they participated in the event. Now, I also understand that it was, like, you know, 10, 12 participants who are getting tested instead of, you know, the hundreds that are going with the NBA, the MLB or whatever. But I believe that they are doing it the right way and that the only way that a sports league can do that is if they at least try to mimic what the UFC did as far as testing of the athletes go. I'm not saying the MLB has to, like, run out an island in the middle of the ocean to play their games on, but they have to check and double-check all of the athletes and all the people who are coming in and being around them to make sure that no one is going to get affected. And then also they were thinking about having it where they had spring training, which was in Florida, but you know, look at Florida. It has over a quarter million cases as of today. I think it was like 260-ish thousand cases today, or as of today, not just today in total. But, you know, where are they going to go to do that? It's yeah. – well, so it's that kind of leads in. Rough. That leads into exactly what I want to talk about. So when I was scrolling through Instagram stories the other day, I was just clicking through, and one of my brother's friends posted this article, and it was about uh, sports leagues, and it was like the question was, are they burdening the COVID nineteen testing for like the general public? And so like one of the big things is that like the NBA, the MLS, both have their bubble sites, quote unquote, inside of Florida, which is where it's like the most prominent right now. So. These athletes are getting tw- tested twice a week. Um, and so, like, the biggest question was, like, are they testing – is the testing that they're doing taking away from, like, the testing that's, like, for the general public? Because, like, they're just going through the same – like, they send them to the same labs as the general public. So, like, are they getting special treatment? Are they getting more tests that are taken away from 
um, like how long it takes for them to get their tests back in the general public, and like that was super interesting to me. Like I, I read this whole article; it was on USA Today. And um, kind of long story short, they talked about like obviously they're using tests, but like they're only using I think they said sixteen thousand or nineteen thousand per week, which is like only a fraction of the six hundred forty thousand tests per day that the U.S. is doing. So like they're using some resources, but they're saying like, well, it's it's limited when you look at the whole picture. And second, they kind of talked about um. They talked about how, uh, like, in those, like, especially in for- Florida for, like, the NBA and the MLS, they've brought in a bunch of resources, too. Like, so they're trying to give back to, like, that side of, like, yeah, I know we're coming in here and taking away a bunch of stuff, but we're also going to try to provide back and, like, use our resources to either help with more testing or more antibody testing or something like that. So, I don't know. I thought I found that article super interesting. Yeah, I, I could see that, though, because... I mean, when you look at the United States, like capitalism is based around business and, you know, you, you invest in what can return money to you. Like, I'm not trying to make it to where like people are like thinking about people's lives as a business investment. But I mean, like that, that's probably why these people would get treatment. You know, they have eyes on them. They're worth lots of money. They're worth a lot more than the average Joe who goes to his nine to five and comes home and goes to bed. So yeah, they're gonna test that dude three, four, five times a day or a week or a week, whatever. Yeah. Have I think it's twice is the most I've ever heard somebody getting tested. Wait, well, yeah, they do it twice. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I there has been zero people who have contacted me about getting a test, even yeah. to pay for it. You know, it's just like, but those people are being like, I don't want to say forced to, but I mean, if they want to participate, you have to get tested. You know, they're they're like, if you want to play, you gotta have your tests yeah. done and they're getting multiple done all the time. And, you know, I, I knew someone very close to me who had, uh, who came in direct contact with it and he wouldn't, he didn't get his results for like five or six days because testing centers are so backed up. So that again, kind of back to your whole prioritization thing, like that's, I totally think that's going on, but only with, you know, certain individuals, I think that yeah. it's more or less a flooding of the system that's causing the backlog in testing that we have right now. But Especially as far as Florida so many goes, cases every day, because you, like, I feel like when those people submit their tests, you know, again back to the UFC, they're getting tested when they land, and then they get tested two days after. They're not waiting a week to get those test results from the first day. You know, they're getting them like as soon as they come up. They're definitely prioritized in the environment that they're in. So even though it's super, super prioritized because they're only testing the fighters because they're all trying to be crazy, isolated, make a spectacle out of it. I still think the same thing is happening in like Florida, like you said, with the MLS and the MLB to where all these tests, including tests from MLB players, are going to these locations and we're like, well... In order for us to keep our schedule and to get the season back online, you got to get these tests back to us by this time. And that would make tests like the person who I knew get pushed back to make room for the baseball player, the soccer player yeah. to make sure they, you know, the league gets going. That's just kind of the way that we would operate, I think. So there is I totally believe there's truth to that, but I don't think it's like widespread. Like if me or you were to get tested, I don't think that sports players or wealthy people necessarily get put in line ahead of us. It well, just all depends on the 
specific area on where you're getting tested. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Especially in Florida, I know they're super backlogged, but I know in Missouri, we're kind of pretty much on like the five to seven, I think, five to seven days, which is pretty normal for the gen pop. But I yeah. think I think the UFC did a good thing by like I don't know Dubai's numbers I don't know how many cases they had, but they're going from what I know it's obviously not very high because that's where they that's probably why they chose there, but they chose somewhere that's they have lower numbers they have a place where they can isolate they have somewhere that has the medical resources to even do the testing and I think that's something that, I mean I understand they want to do the MLB the NBA all that and the US, but are there other places that they could do that type of testing and. I don't know. I think it's just like a a hindsight thing kind of now because they're already going into those types of places, the bubbles and everything, but just, yeah. a, just a thought. You also got to think about the players and, like, their families, you know? So, like, let's say that they're able to find some land somewhere to bring the NBA. Some for like, Switzerland or whatever. Somewhere that is neutral. Nowhere is really being... It's not getting affected by, by coronavirus. People are getting tested on the way there, when they get there, just like UFC. Are they going to want to leave their families for that long? Are they going to want to, you know, leave behind their loved ones and their belongings and everything like that in the midst of a global pandemic that's absolutely ravaging the country? Like it's a very it's a tall thing that that's a hard thing to ask somebody, you know, especially with people like LeBron who has kids and there's many many NBA stars who have whole families to worry about, not just themselves. And that that's a that's a big thing to ask someone like, hey, leave your family to go put on a show for some people who are bored in their house in the middle of a global pandemic. Now, well, that's what they're, they're doing in Florida too. They all have to leave their families. There's no families allowed. Oh, did I, oh, I know that, but I feel like it'd be even harder if they were going further away, you know, like if they're in Florida, they're in the same country, yes, they're far away, but like, I don't know, going to a whole different part of the world, that's a, that's a tall thing to ask of somebody, yeah. especially, especially just for the sport. And then imagine how much money that would be. All the money that the NBA is already losing, they're going to like barely be able to make it back with all the stuff they're doing. And then not only are they flying them florida but then flying them somewhere else and there's players who are getting it every day like russell westbrook i saw just got it today or tested positive uh today showing no symptoms or like he's doing good but he tested positive for covid19 like there, there's another nba player it's just like how many lives are you willing to risk to put on yeah, a show well, and i think i think one good thing i can kind of like back all of the leagues on is that there's opt-out clauses like you're not gonna like the players aren't gonna lose their money they don't play, but it's like if you want to play, you can come play, and if you don't feel comfortable, then you don't have to come down. And I think that really benefits the older players because they have money in the bank. They're probably running out of 10-year contract at this point anyways. So it's I think that's something that's like beneficial that at least the leagues are doing. Yeah, definitely. But I also think with that, there are certain players that almost have to go. Yep. Like let's say, for example, that LeBron – Kawhi, Giannis, you know, all the big names in the NBA just decide, no, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to put that risk on myself to bring something home to them or to leave them alone in the middle of all of this, and I'm not going to go. Like, even though there would be plenty of people who would watch it just because sports are on, it, that's their, those are their money makers. You know, like LeBron James yeah. – 
makes a ton of money on his own, but imagine how much revenue he generates just for the NBA, like having his name everywhere and him playing games and all that stuff. So they have to weigh that into it too, and they may not want to do it if they don't have certain names who sign up and agree to play. No, I, I, if, I think LeBron would go and play, personally. I think he likes the game enough, and he likes to compete, and he would understand the risks and stuff, but I don't know. I think a counter-argument, too, to that is that, especially from a betting side of things, the games can go either way. Like, I think the one reason that people like a lot more of, like, um, the the college basketball, college football, I know a lot of people that would rather watch that than, like, professional sports, and that's because anything can happen. There's a reason that there's, like, dream stories out of the March Madness tournament. There's a reason that, like, really anybody can win any game. And I think that's something that, like, yeah, you, you want to see the superstars there and you want to see them do really well. But on the flip side, you can see maybe someone that doesn't get a chance and he comes and blows up and then he gets a bigger contract out of it or – I don't know. I think there's I think there's two sides to every story, really. Oh, they, I, I totally think that if the NBA were to do something like that, even if none of the big names came, that there would still be an audience and there would be so oh, many yeah. – I'd watch it. I would watch. Wait, what? Like, just because sports are on. Not only because we haven't had something matter. on. Yeah, no, well, mine's not even only because we haven't had anything on. It's just because, like, at that point they're playing it because they love playing the game. That's the reason that they're even taking that risk. And exactly. that's what I feel like sometimes professional sports misses. Like, there are a lot of them are just there for the money. They want to make the biggest contracts and do the best things or whatever. But that's a different topic. Oh, yeah, but I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that. You know, it, it would be interesting to see the leagues play this year, but realistically and, you know, making the most smart and educated decision based on numbers right now and based on spikes in different locations, like, I don't think it's a good idea. I really don't. I think it's asking for trouble and it's stirring the pot even more than everything already is messed up. Well, like and the, at at this point, I mean, hockey is almost getting ready to like it would be like the start of their season. Football is getting ready for like would be getting ready for the start of their season, and it's just like, at what point do you just cancel last season? I mean, I know it would suck for especially like teams doing really well, but at some point, like what what's that cutoff? Or do you just play it as we'll come back next season and that season will be the finish up of the last season? If that makes sense. Yeah, I I don't. It would be so hard to get into what would happen for each of the leagues. The season was just over. But, you know, again, it comes down to, like, is it profits before people? Like, are you more concerned about making money and, you know, creating revenue and keeping business going over the lives and families and people who would be affected if someone were to get sick or this, this sickness would spread through a certain area or let's say it infected all of the players. They wouldn't be able to go home. And I've talked about this before, but when someone dies with COVID-19, they're alone. They're quarantined in a mm-hmm. hospital. You're not al- the family is not allowed to go see them. They die alone in a hospital bed, like gasping for air. Like yeah. it is, it's awful. And it, it, it's do, do you want to risk putting, you know, hundreds of people through that to show off for a sport? And it, it, I, of course, I want to see basketball be played. It'd be awesome. Like, but but I'm tr- also thinking morally. 
And I'm also trying to think from a standpoint of I don't want to put anybody in harm's way any more than we already are. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're already in a pretty shitty situation. And to stick people from all different parts of the country who have been around people who have tested positive and they have families with kids and it's just not – it's it's asking for trouble in my opinion. I, I think that if anything, they could do like scrimmages, you know, like the teams could all get tested. All the people who were negative can either meet in a neutral location or go to like the team travels by bus or whatever. And they play a game at the practice centers and then they go back and that's how they can do their thing. Well, like, you know, I, I'd rather see that. But and instead of everybody trying to play a league back together, and tr- that because I just don't think it would be done right. I don't yeah. think there'd be a way to do it right, you know, with the way everything is, unless they did something like UFC. But again, you're dealing with hundreds of people, you're not dealing with just like 10, 12, 16 fighters for a card, you're dealing with all 30 40 people from each of these nba teams and how many nba teams are there i can't even 32 i think i think all all, mostly all the sports are 32 yeah that's a lot of bodies to put somewhere and you know that that's a lot of bodies to have close together during a time like this Mm -hmm. again asking for trouble in my honest opinion i guess we'll see i mean this we don't make those decisions anyways so which right. all speculations from us. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's in all it's hard from this position because I want to see it. You know, I want to I want sports to come back. I'm tired of not having sports. Like I want to be able to go over to my friend's house and watch a game, not just watch replays of games on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. But again, going back to the the smart thing or the the morally correct thing, what is healthier? And safer for the people. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that, that leads into the education set that I want to talk about, too. And I, I just wanted to briefly mention this. I saw a meme on Facebook, so most credible source there is. But it was showing, uh, like, the charts of cases per day. And it was, like, super low on the chart. It's like, this is when we closed down schools. And now it's like 15 times more than that number was. And they're like, man, let's try to reopen schools now. It's like, what? <laughs> Where's the logic in that? Yeah. I saw something that um, I think it was like Donald Trump tweeted. I don't have it pulled up, so I can't quote it exactly. But it was like, the you know, Denmark, Norway, and there was a couple of the countries he mentioned are opening up their schools. And I was like, cool. And someone retweeted underneath it and put the numbers out for all the countries and like Denmark had like 32 cases Norway had like 60 something and all the other <laughs> countries you know they had like at most 100 and the US was like 15,600 blah 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 and that was like a week ago it, 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 yes they are opening up your school their schools correct because they're having you know, exponentially less coronavirus yeah. cases than us all the studies that are coming out are like young people are being affected by this. Young people are getting sick and young people are getting hospitalized from this. And you want to throw, especially elementary age kids, like they aren't conscious about being clean. I'm sorry. Like some of them can be, 
But most of them, you know, like they'll pick their nose and then wipe it off on their leg. And then wait, go wait, off you're and not do supposed it, to do that? And do everything else. <laughs> nice. Wait, the, I guess I've been the, I've been doing that wrong for a couple of years. Oh okay, yeah, just uh, twenty two long, yeah. Oops. Twenty three. Get it right. <laughs> but like they're not clean. They don't have cleanliness in yeah. mind. They're worried about you know, doing their schoolwork right and trying to make friends and stuff. And that's asking for trouble. Like, do you want to risk putting your kid into that situation? Or do you want to risk putting the population of children? It's like, you know, some of you may die. But that's a risk that I I'm willing to take. From I th- Shrek. <laughs> I, th- I, <laughs> I think, I think really, I think if they do go back to, like, in-class school... I heard that one they're gonna do like shifts, so there's gonna be like A day B days, but there's like the kids that come in like in elementary school, so like half the classrooms in every week, like every day, half the classrooms in, so they switch every day. But I think it takes like literally like maybe one case, one student gets it, and then all the public schools close down. Yeah, I honestly think. But by that time, it's too late because when one person tests positive. They've spread it to five. They brought it home to their family, and it, it that that's how. Well, it's... I'm talking about just schools in general, like not necessarily like just that one school. I think literally, if one kid gets it in anywhere in St. Louis schools, all the schools will shut down. They would have to. There's no reason yeah, to even take that risk at that point. And I, I I totally understand that, but you know, you look at the numbers, and like you have to look at the likelihood of that. Yeah. You have to oh, I at... know, I know it's high. That's why I'm t- I'm saying if they go like, back, yeah, if they yeah. do. It's a big, it's a big if because look at the current number of cases that are spawning in and around the St. Louis area. And I mean, even though no, it's not Florida, it's not California, it's not New York. It's still, it's not good. We're still getting cases, and like I said, they're affecting younger people more and more often. Mm-hmm. And it, it, are you willing to put your kid? up to that or like as far as the politicians and leadership go like are you willing to you know risk the kids lives just because of a political viewpoint or an ideology that you believe that something is not being put out right or the science is wrong or numbers are thrown off or whatever you know it it it, it's ignorant and it's annoying that that's kind of what's governing this whole situation that's mm-hmm. what i have a couple articles up about that but that, that's been my biggest pet peeve about all this i don't mean to get off the whole teaching point right away if you had anything else to no, say about fine. that no no no, no no that was just that well i i, I just there, there's been no no leadership you know like in in all these other countries there's been people stepping up there's been politicians kind of you know hey there's an issue these cases are spreading rapidly. This disease is nothing to fuck around about. And we need to do something drastic to curb the spike in cases, or at least try to. So they put in curfews, they put in lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the U.S., we have, I'm, I don't want to say anything that is inaccurate, but I feel like the way that I'm going to put it is going to make it sound really biased. But truly, any thing that I say is going to be based on facts that I've seen from our president or from politics. Like, you know, he, he, Donald Trump just hides behind his phone and tweets. 
Like mm-hmm. I have yet to see him come out and say anything close to productive or you know leader like or president like even. Everything has been childish, you know, uneducated, just spouts of information that he has no idea what he's talking about. Like, the, there's the thing, like, maybe we could take ultraviolet light and focus it into the human body. What is this man rambling about? And then... <laughs> He, he talks about the whole, like the Lysol thing as well, and I'm just like, dude. Okay, I'm not asking for this guy to come out and give us an answer to our problems because that's unrealistic. Even the most extraordinary leader can't just come out and go, all right, this is exactly how we solve the problem, and boom, that is exactly how everything is magically fixed. That's not how it works. But I at least want someone to say, hey, there's a problem. There's a really big problem. We know what's going on, we see it, and we're actively pursuing policies and actively pursuing ways to try and fix it and to try and make it better. And what we get is an angry four-year-old tweeting all from pure emotion and coming out spitting absolute nonsense about this virus. Like, we have one of the most educated disease in an or infectious disease experts with Dr. Fauci on this and he will come out and say something or, or he isn't Donald Trump Donald Trump will come out and say something and then Dr. Fauci will come out and kind of contradict it like he'll say oh we had the coronavirus under control everything is fine like you know we'll be open by Easter whenever he said that and Dr. Fauci comes out and goes okay hold on no we won't like, let's slow your roll here. We, we There's a possibility, but it we have to make sure it's safe first. And then there's this whole political turmoil that tosses and turns. And people, they've been at each other's throats for months. And it's turned into this political game. And I even think it started to affect the citizens to where these people who are kind of just blindly one side or the other politically, even if whether it's like Donald Trump conservative or Republican or Democrat or like, you know, whatever extreme you're on, these people are just so blind and tunnel vision to that one side or they won't even listen to anybody else. Like how can we ever solve this issue without a, all of us getting super sick, a huge part of the population dying off. And maybe we come back from it. Maybe we don't. The economy is more than likely going to bottom out. We're going to enter a Great Depression unlike anything we've ever seen before, probably even worse than the one in the 20s. And, you know, we may come out on the other side or we may not. It just depends. Or we stiffen up. We stand up straight. We figure out what the fuck's going on. We act on it the right way, and we stop just bullshitting each other. We base everything off, you know, actual facts and actual science and stuff that's beneficial to talk about, not just ramblings about how we feel about what's going on you know i i just wish there was more facts and more straight up leadership and knowledge on the issue and not so much you know read between the lines see through all the political ramblings to get what is actually happening i would agree with that 100 percent. and i think well while you're talking i was kind of thinking on my own too and i was like so how about 
No, you're fine. I was listening. I was just I was thinking about what I would if I was a leader, what I would do. And so we already have people working at home anyways, or they've been used to it. So I see this one of two ways. You either give all right, here's two weeks notice. You guys have two weeks to stock up. After those two weeks, when the stimulus check hits, we are a hundred percent quarantined for two weeks until like we see the number of cases go down. Because that means that I mean, you have to have healthcare workers. I mean, I'm sure there's like obviously essential workers are a thing, but at what point do you just say, all right, let's just go take a vacation, go to your farms, go to land if you have it, stay inside and just do nothing for two weeks. Like here's extra money, so you don't have to worry about working, you don't have to worry about doing anything else, and just stay home for literally two weeks. You know how fast we'd see those numbers drop. Oh, easily. And, and, that, and I, that's what a lot of other countries did. Like, I, I don't have, again, I don't have any articles pulled up. I can't read exact facts off of um, any websites right now. But from what I can remember, European countries like Italy um, and Spain, who were getting hit really hard, they had, like, loan forgiveness. And, like, they, they let mortgages kind of be backed off. And I believe the U.S. even did that for a US while with some utilities and stuff My like that. My student loans are pushed off right now. My student loans are in forgiveness. I wish I just got an email today saying mine are due Saturday. <laughs> but I also, I just graduated too. So maybe since yeah. yours were already going. I don't yeah, know. My, my, mine kicked in a while ago. That's why. But, but I, it, I, I had the choice to opt out too. Like I had the choice to just say, no, I want to start paying them. But I was like, screw that. May as well just give it a little bit of time. Yeah, I, I was still working. Like I didn't slow down my hours at all, so I knew I could keep yeah, up with the yeah. payment. So I was like, "There's no reason to push it back because it it just would add time and interest to the loan, and make it more in the long run." So I was like, "Eh, I don't really want to take that, even though it wouldn't necessarily be that much considering how much I took out. It's still that much more I would have to pay with the job I have." So I'm like, "Eh, well, just, whatever. I'm gonna keep paying it. It's worked out so far." <laughs> yeah, and I, my plan for my student loans is hopefully, hopefully this doesn't last too long. But if my forgiveness goes long enough, I just want to save up a bunch of money, but just dump as much as I can. So like my payments are like a hundred bucks a month, if even. Like literally, I want to pay it off in just huge chunks. I I pretty much what I do I pay like the entire amount that's like given to me by Sally May, and then I do a extra either five or ten. Just to keep taking off a chunk off the principal mm-hmm. while I'm paying the interest off as well. But I don't want to just, like, throw all my money into it at once. Yeah. Well, especially because you, you got other stuff going on, too, and car payments and everything else, too. Oh, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> and then hopefully, I mean, the the hope is I'll have a full-time job by August, so money will start flowing, flowing in, which make it a lot easier for me to start paying off these loans. Because... Working my two jobs now, I still I still would be really struggling to pay those off. Yeah, it's definitely not cheap whatsoever. Um. I don't, the thing for me about teaching, too, this fall, I have an interview coming up, actually, but the, Ooh, the hard thing for me is that if I start online, so I'm special ed, which I'm pretty sure we've talked about before, but so I got my degree in special ed, and... So that means that not only do I have to teach children, I have to understand their IEPs. Do you know what an IEP is? Uh, no. <laughs> An individualized education plan. So pretty much it says this student has this diagnosis, whether it's emotionally disturbed, intellectual. Like, there's a whole like list of like autism's on there, the autism spectrum. 
So uh, I, I just, was actually about to ask that real, real quick, if you don't mind. So do you deal with people or like with children of all different types of disorders from like yes. ADD to autism to like, if they have like trauma for whatever reason, like all that, everything is under your degree. Yeah. So that, I could go in and teach an cool. ESP program. So ESP is emotional skills program. So pretty much we teach children how to like, or I would say students, not really children. Cause I could be in high school. You teach students how to like handle their emotions and, uh, socialize with other students like that's an esp program that's like for like students with like no social awareness but then yeah, i could also I, teach I, I super high functioning autism where it's i'm pretty much just helping them get through a math class or something specific sorry i didn't mean to cut you off in your story none that that i that's was like just a question i wanted to ask it's really interesting I, I i've known people who needed help in both those areas you know some somewhat myself included and i think that's super cool that you know, you, you have a, a large umbrella to cover and there's yeah. a super, not only there's a super wide, what the fuck? I don't, yeah, you just cut out. I don't know what happened. What? Hello. Are you, are you there? Who? Yeah, I think I'm here. Whoa. All man. right, you're back. You cut off randomly for a second. I think yeah. your mic, like, disconnected from Discord or something. That was, it was like my power went out for a second, but nothing actually happened. All right, we'll edit that out. It'll <laughs> be right. Or try to, yeah. Either way, there we go. What were we talking about again? That kind of made me. You were talking about the, the skills programs and students that needed extra help with like emotional uh, behaviors and stuff. Oh yeah, um, I, I, that that's awesome that you get to deal with children from all different walks of life. Not only if they were like you know born with a certain disability, but they either got something through an external experience or just maturing and developing mm -hmm. through. Uh, throughout their life uh, what age group are you dealing with mainly well my interview right now is for high school but i can do anywhere so my special education degree is k-12 so kindergarten through 12th grade so i can literally teach anywhere oh so elementary like middle and high school yep yeah that, that's that's cool i feel like the high school would be i don't want to say the most interesting because i feel like you'd see more like sad or i don't want to say sad but more you know intense cases in, in, I would say. yeah intense uh, cases of you know dep like either depression or substance abuse or you know emotional abuse stuff that's built up or is like elementary school I feel like that's more you know ADD like you said like well, high autism and like you know learning kind dis of. learning disabilities and there, I'm sure a lot there's of, cases like that when people are younger but I, f it, yeah. I definitely feel like that's with there's age a lot more. more than you'd think there's a lot more of those cases than you'd think but elementary like and out, the way that I see it is elementary, you're kind of learning the student, how they learn, what works best for them. That's what you, that's what you write in your IEP. So this student struggles with, say, math comprehension. So these things have worked, whether it's reading the test to them or whatever. And so, like, elementary is kind of figuring that out and getting that student used to, like, having that help. Middle school is kind of that transition into high school where it's like the student advocates for themselves. And it's like, hey, I need this assistance. I need this and this. So I think in the high school, like, you're dealing with, like, they're adults, they're functioning adults, but it's like you're also helping them advocate for themselves, really. But um, what I was originally going to say about teaching is, so as a special education teacher, um, you deal with the students, you deal with giving all of them their accommodations, differentiation, stuff like that, whether it's modifying tests, 
changing the assignments, like anything that helps them understand the content better. I had those in uh, college. Like, yeah. um, with, with my diagnosis, I got accommodations and it was like a, a list from my like um, psyche evaluation, like from the doctor and everything. And it was like, hey, give this to your counselor or whoever. And it was like a page and a half of like, you know, he's he can videotape, take pictures, you know, audio record for notes, blah, 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 blah. Like all those fun, fun things. Yeah. But so it's dealing with that. But then also, so every year you have to update the student's IEP. You have to track goals, whether it's like reading fluency or there's a whole list of everything that you have to track goals on. So my biggest fear going into it, especially as a first year teacher, one, I don't know anybody in terms of professionals. I don't know the principal. I don't know any of the other teachers. I don't know any anybody I'm going to be working with. So that'll be completely new. But then also, I'm going to be telling these kids, hey, this is what you have to do. But I don't know who you are. I just read who you are through this piece of paper. And that that's, that's to me, what sucks the most. Like That's ethically kind of weird to me. Like yeah. Something doesn't sit right. I, I totally can see that. Because even though it is not even close to that same thing, like I remember when I was younger, we would go and like you know read to the younger kids and do things in elementary school and middle school. And even at high school with robotics, I went to the, like, I don't want to say, like, gifted middle school, but it was, like, the STEM elementary yeah, school, yeah. middle school type thing, Mosaic, I believe it's called. And mm-hmm. we helped them with, like, a robotics thing when I was in high school. And I found when working with kids, especially that young, you know, like, there needs to be some sort of, like, emotional connection there before you can really understand who they make the difference like yeah you can read on paper like yeah they have this issue they have this issue they have this issue cool but like until you actually sit down and talk to them and you spend not you don't even need to spend that long just like 10 minutes like hey how are you you know who are you what's your name how are you what do you like to do get it just like standard you know kid stuff and i found that if you spend that little bit of time interacting and getting that feedback you you open almost like a non-verbal bridge of communication with them to where you can understand sort of like you know how how they're doing you can look at them and say hey man how are you like you look different today what's up what's going on and then if they didn't necessarily want to talk about that and you say hey what's going on like i've even experienced this it opens me up to be like Maybe this person actually wants to help, and I will open up about what I'm really feeling, and not I, I just won't go like, oh, hey, I'm good. How are you? Like I'll actually tell them how I'm really feeling. And I think I think honestly, like even if case was here, like if I asked you who your favorite teacher was, it would be somebody that was caring, like show that they like were interested in what you're doing, like went above and beyond to make sure you're able to do like what they're asking you to do in their classroom. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm sure me and Casey would, would probably say a couple of the same people. Like, mm-hmm. there, there was, and it, I think that I had favorite teachers from each sort of step in my life. So elementary school was one, middle school was one, high school was one, and then even college. Even though I spent a year in college, it was such a crazy year and such, like, a developmental year for me like emotionally and personally that like there was there's one teacher specifically I remember who like really one day was just like hey Joe what's going on and I remember just like no one was in the class and I just like 
broke down in front of this teacher and started like spilling my guts out. And it was a really cool and awesome because it was my psychology professor. And it, I, I know I've talked to you about this, but that's what I want to do with my life. Even still to this day is like, I want to become a psychologist. And I hopefully, well, I'm going to be starting that soon. going to get a bachelor's and what hopefully move on from there. But that, that really opened up, like I said, a nonverbal bridge of communication to where I could walk in. She would look at me and if she could see that, you know, Hey, I'm not feeling so good that day. She would stop me, pull me aside and we'd talk for five minutes after class and I would leave. And it was just those tiny little things that someone does for you that no one else really thinks or notices to do. That makes the biggest differences. Well, and that's one of like, yeah, it's kind of the same way where I have one through each path in my life. Like, especially in college, the one that seems out to me the most, I won't say her name, but she, like, when I was in her class, I hated her. Like, she made me do so much extra stuff. She would make me, like, redo assignments and, like, I mean, the reason I'm, like, so, like, thankful for her now is because she was pushing me to be who I can actually be. Like, a lot of, like, edu- when I was in school of ed, a lot of it you can kind of just get off, like, half-assing. You can just turn something in and turn it in and be like, oh, you good try. Like, that was really, like, you can get away with a lot of stuff. And she's like, nope, do it again. That's not what I was looking for. Do it again. And, like, that pushing is, like, she saw who I could be and what I could do. And she's like, let me get you to where you're supposed to be. And that was what really helped turn me around in my especially educate like, school of education career. Like, after that, like, I was so, like, tedious in all my classes. Oh, yeah. There, there's, um, you know how big of a movie nerd I am. There's, um, it's based off music or, like, a music school, and it's called Whiplash. And it's a really intense movie, and I don't want to say too, too much about it, because I believe anyone who listens to the podcast, if you haven't watched it, go watch this movie. But get ready, because it's an experience, that's for sure. But it's about this guy who joins a very intense, you know, orchestraic concert band at a very high level, um, kind of like, you know, Dead Poet Society, how they all were in, like, this dormitory school, and they're all wearing, like, tuxes and stuff it's a very sort of high-end music academy and the teacher is very very overbearing and intense and these guys come from a background of being fluffed up their whole life and he dude he lays into these guys if he they're even like one sixteenth of a note off he gets in their face and starts screaming and yelling and there's a super intense scene um, I, I can remember specifically where he's yelling at the drummer, who's the main character. And he's like, can you not count fucking time? And he's like, he tells him to count for like threes in the measure. So like one, two, three, one, two, three. And on the three, he would slap him in the face. He's like, was I rushing? Or like, or, like, <laughs> or something. It, it just was a crazy, intense, dramatic scene. And even though that, you're not going to be smacking kids in the face. Like having someone create that experience makes you such a better person in the long run. Like he, he would not necessarily, that's the right way about it. Like you don't need to smack people in the face yeah, or whatever. That's a little intense, but, but it's the symbolism across. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of in it all again. It kind of delves down to, he has personal issues and yada, yada, yada. Again, it's a fantastic film. I think anyone who listens to this, if you haven't watched it, go watch it whiplash. Um, but it, it, 
it kind of solidifies that point where there's people who go that extra mile when they notice you have the potential, but you don't notice it yet. Like there's something inside of you that someone else can see, but you have yet to sort of find your way and harness that and unlock it. And they will do anything to get you to realize, hey, dude, you're not just some average schmuck. Like wake up, get your shit together and get this right. Like, I don't care if it's not quite there. It needs to be there. And if it's not there, we're going to do it again. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what good teachers should do. They should, first off, not punish like bad assignments, but say, all right, let's look at this, let's learn from this, and let's turn into something better. That, that's and essentially think... what he was doing in an intense way. Like He, he was like, you're doing this wrong. I'm going to show you how you're doing it wrong, and this is how you got to do it right. And the, I've had teachers, you know, mark up your test. There's a bunch of red squigglies, minus one <laughs> for this, minus three for that. Blah 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 blah, and I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know what this means. I don't understand this. How, how am I supposed to learn what I did wrong when you just put minus one on this problem? Like, come up and ask me. Well, thirty people go up and ask you, and I have five minutes to get to the next class. Like, what? <laughs> sorry. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. There, there needs to be a, a higher level of communication, I think. But that, that gets into it. Like, you know, I don't think teachers are paid enough. You know, there's some days where, like, I'm sure teachers are like, yeah, I just want to go home. I don't want to do anything. I'm not staying after school. Like, I remember that. I was like, hey, this is the only day, because I have sports, this is the only day that I can, like, hang out and after school and talk. And they're like, well, sorry, I, I go home on those days. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I guess I can't come over and guess I can't redo my test. And I get an F. Yep. And well, they, and I know going back to like about pay is that I know that people are like, well, they get three months off for the summer. Yeah, but until you're at your like 15, 20, 25 year mark, you're not just hanging out during those summers. Like teachers still have to do PDs. They still are developing like lesson plans and planning units and everything all over those summers. Yeah, so it's, it's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't time. seem like we're doing a lot, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just saying it's not like off time. You're not just sitting at home doing nothing. You're still working. There's just no students in the building. But I, mm -hmm. I've talked to many teachers in my past, and they do a lot uh, over the summer. Whether, like you said, it's planning for their classrooms going out. They buy stuff with the money they get paid with to decorate their classrooms and make them inviting for the students. Like all the well, posters they, and stuff in the classrooms, you know, like they don't they get a They get a big $100 bill at the beginning of the year oh, to boy. use for their classroom decoration. So, I mean, that goes pretty far away, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, if you're just getting... Well, it depends on the district, but pretty much 100 is about normal. Stuff. But... It, it doesn't actually go far away. There's still a lot of your own money that you put back into it, which is, I mean, it's fair for a lot of salary-type jobs, but I yeah, think man, for the most I, part... I, I bought stuff for my, my job as the pit master. You know, I have my own instant read thermometer that was 80 bucks. I have a chef knife set. I have, like, a whole bag that I carry my tool, like kitchen tools with and stuff like mm -hmm. you, you put in what you make out but i i just think that there's this getting getting back to the covid19 and teacher thing you are asking not only to put these kids at such a big risk but for teachers to risk so much for how much money you know like it, it even yeah. 
they have the passion. I don't doubt that. Like they want to teach these kids and if they're willing to show up and they're willing to make it safe, the teachers are going to be there to teach those kids. But there are some people who are like, I, I can't, they, they can't risk it, whether it's for personal reasons, like they have um, immunodeficiency of some sort and they're extremely high risk. Or let's say it's an older teacher who is like 70 or 65 who, you know, is very like I knew a couple of people like that at Lindenwood and like the personal finance teacher. And uh, he uh, he would be considered high risk, I'm sure, for the whole COVID thing. Is, does he want to go back and teach? Like, I, I don't think well, so. I mean, we both personally know somebody that's a teacher that has, uh, um, they have to take shots that literally wipe out their immune system. So it's like, what's he risking to come in and and work? I mean, because like, if he gets sick, he's sick for a month, month and a half, probably at least. At least 45 days, I saw somebody. And it's like, there's no way that you expect somebody to come in and make not a lot of money. And the money's some of it, but not all of it, I guess. But to risk literally like a month and a half, if not dying, to come in and teach these kids. And I feel like that's that's something that's overlooked. That's a stat that's overlooked. It's like, oh, teachers don't want to go back as well. It's like, well, some of them don't have the choice. Right. And it, it it's just you're, you're asking these people to legitimately risk their lives and the lives of everyone they know or that they live with for this. To, to go out and work for a minimal amount of money, and it's just, it, it, it's ridiculous. Well, and, I mean, in high school and middle school, it might be a little bit better, but do you expect kindergartners, first graders to keep their mask on all the time? Like, do you think that they're, like, they can barely, like, go outside and not get dirty in the mud? Or if you they... think they're going to be able to deal with that mask all day? Or if they have it on, are they going to avoid touching their face? Are they going to be washing their hands diligently? Are they going to be using hand sanitizer every time they walk by it? Absolutely not. They're going to be reaching under that mask, picking their nose, scratching their ass, picking up pencils, touching every book in the classroom, and the teachers are going to go by at the end of the day and organize the whole classroom that people have touched rather scratching their ass and picking their nose and eating the boogers and doing every fucking disgusting thing that kindergartners do. And it, it's just, you know, it's asking for trouble. It, it, it's, it, I, I don't mean to like make a joke about something I, I think is super so serious, serious yeah. but you know, it, it's, it's funny to me that people are even considering it an option at this point with the way numbers are right now. I totally think that if numbers were better and we were taking better action about COVID schools could be open in, in, in August or whatever. Disney world just opened in Florida and mm. as of today, wait, hold on. So um, I have this article up. It was published by CNN Health. It was published uh, today, July 13th, 4.14 p.m. Titled, Florida has more new cases in one day than the entire U.S. did in about two months. Florida reported its highest number of new COVID-19 cases in one day. 15,300 on Saturday. That's uh, Monday. That's July 11th, 2020. Was four, 15,300 cases. Um, most cases in a single day in any state. Inclu- that They're the new epicenter. They passed New York. You remember how bad New York was? Yeah. They had morgues and semi-trucks outside of hospitals, and they were storing dead people inside of them, like literal semi-trucks with dead people in the back. Florida is worse than that right now. 
and we're talking about opening schools. And I I brought up earlier Disney Disney World opened. Like that, you got to ride Mystery Mountain and Tower of Fear or, or Tower of Terror. Orlando, Florida. Like I don't like I I, I don't mean to tap into this point. Well, this Six is, Flags is open. This this is more of the, you know, uh, funny joke coming out, but I watched the video about D- Disney World opening. I, I believe it was on like MSNBC or uh, something. I don't have it pulled up right now. But there was not one single person who was not white in that park. And the only person who they interviewed or was in that news story that was, you know, not white was the doctor who was like, um, y'all white people are fucking insane. You need to get the fuck up <laughs> out of Disney World right now. And get your ass inside because you guys are going in the middle of one of the worst pandemics in human fucking history. And you are in the worst state, in the worst area. And you're like, oh, my God, we scheduled this in March. We have to go. Oh, my God. Get get the kids. We're going to Disney World. Like, no, no, bitch. You you are not staying inside. (laughs) First off, Six Flags is open currently still. Yeah, that's scary. And it's like, so one of our cooks goes, and he's like, well, you have to make a reservation. And he's like, it's not busy because there's only so many people that they, like, are reserved for the however long. But he's like, every time they someone gets off a ride, they clean and sanitize the whole ride and send it around one loop by itself and then put people on it. It's like, that's so how, much, how much money are you even making off of that? Oh, like, I understand people have wow. their pads and stuff, but where do you just eat it and say, here's your money back? Call it for good, and then we'll just reopen after all this stuff's up. Like, is it even worth, like, running those rides that much? Like, how much, like, energy are they wasting? Second, so I'm supposed to be going to a bachelor party, so I'm a best man in a wedding. And we're supposed to be going down July 30th. We're supposed to go down to Alabama. And I've been in contact with these hosts, and I'm like, look, I know I scheduled during a pandemic. I scheduled on June 15th. I was like, I know I scheduled it during a pandemic, but things are worse now than they were before I, like, when I scheduled. I was like, the nation was reopening when I scheduled, and now there's literally triple the number of cases. I was like, so you're telling me it's still safe for me to come down and stay in your Airbnb? That is so, like, there's, like, they're like well, we, you scheduled so soon, and there's a strict cancellation policy. It's like, I don't care, dude. Like, there's literally, like you said, Florida, which is right next to it, is experiencing the max number of cases that they've ever had, that the nation's ever seen, that anybody's ever seen in the world. It's like, so you're telling me it's safe to go to the state next to Florida and go out and hang out for a weekend? There's no way. That that's that, that would be a, a dumb move, I, I think. It, and it, I've tried working with them, and it's like, well, if you can't make it, just cancel. I was like, no, because I don't get any of my money back. I was like, let me change it, or like, let me push it back. I was like, you guys are completely open the rest of the year. Let me push it back, and I'll go down on a different date. But what's the point of forcing me to go down, or forcing me to eat? Well, they want their money. So they're forcing me to eat whatever I paid for it, and then being like, whoops, sorry. He's scheduled during a pandemic. It's like, what? What I can hope for, which it might be going this way, is that Florida recloses, and that Alabama recloses. The southern states start reclosing. That's my only hope of probably getting any money back. Yeah. I mean, it, it's but just unfortunate, with, the timing. With the way it's going, it's probably going to happen, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I well, <laughs> I don't want to say it's going to happen because, again, 
I, it sucks because every time we talk about something like this, we go, I don't want to make it political, but it's we aren't the ones making it political. Yeah. Like, the, the, the issue is that every single thing that happens right now about this coronavirus is political and that we're trying to, you know, work our way around it. But at this point, I'm just like, whatever. We, we need to work on the facts. Whatever you personally believe... I understand wearing a face mask is annoying. It sucks. It's hard. You just I talking work, in general? Hey, I'm, yeah, I'm talking in general. Like, I was like, these, I wear my mask. Don't come at me like that. I no, thought you were yelling at me. I was like, hold on. No, 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 no. I'm not yelling at any, <laughs> you're, anyone. You're addressing the nation. Everyone who wears their mask, that's for you. Thank you so much for wearing your mask. I appreciate you, and I love you. And anyone who doesn't wear their mask, you know, I, you can't see it, but I'm flipping off my microphone right now because... When you wear a mask, it is not about protecting you. If you think it's about protecting you, that's because you're ignorant, okay? Like, I, I don't know how else to explain it. When you wear a mask, you are protecting others from the air you are breathing out. Let's say you went to the grocery store. You went to the grocery store after someone went in there without a mask on and had COVID. They were carrying it. They weren't sick. They weren't feeling bad. They were a carrier. They were putting it on everything they walked by. They may, they coughed a couple times. They talked to their buddies. They called their phone. They were talking on their phone, da, 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 touching carts, didn't sanitize anything, and they left because they don't think COVID's real. You walk in, same deal, no mask, blah, 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 what, what do you think is going to happen? Like, it, it, it's just so ridiculous to me that people don't wear a mask because it's about protecting the other people. It's not about protecting you. It's about protecting the people you come into contact with and when you go into a store, the people who are working there, the people who don't necessarily have a choice but to put their lives on the line and work because they're going to get kicked out of their apartment if they don't. Have a little respect, man. Like, come on. It's not like we want to be there and we want to make you wear a mask and we want to, yeah. you know, make you uncomfortable. Like when I'm at work, thankfully I work for a long time by myself in the restaurant because of just how early I get there. Or I work minimally with people where I can maintain a social distance of six feet. But once we open and once people start showing up, I wear my mask. If I go outside, there's no point in taking my mask off because I'm going to put it on when I go back in. It's 95 degrees. I'm opening a smoker door. So there's smoke and it's like 300 degrees in there. Like it is awful. I do not like it. I have acne all over my face. Like it sucks. But I wear <laughs> my mask just in case so happens that one time I went out, I came into contact with someone I'm doing my best to not give it to anyone else. No, I'm not perfect. I don't wear it 24-7 whenever I leave my house like some people do. But, you know, I'm trying my best. And I I'm, I'm truly believe that when you wear it, you're protecting other people. So when we try and mandate wearing a mask or when we try and, you know, start, uh, put something in place like, hey, please wear a mask when you come into my store. Please wear a mask when you're going outside. If you don't want to wear a mask, stay inside. These people are like, you're infringing on my rights. You you can't do that to me. 
Like, no, yeah, we can. This is a private business. <laughs> I'm reading happening? at a. I'm just reading some headlines right now because, you know, COVID. Yeah. And one of the one of the headlines is Trump and his minions are trying to destroy Fauci. No wonder the U.S. is doing so poorly. And it's like, why? Why is Trump fighting Fauci right now? So because he's saying, don't totally. They, we're surging because we didn't totally shut down. We can't reopen schools because there's obviously a growing number of cases. Like why? Like, I don't know. You can you can explain because well, I don't understand it. That that was kind of like the thing I brought up in the beginning with Dr. Fauci. Um, the White House actually came out and said that Dr. Fauci isn't acting in the president's best interest. That was a quote. I actually have this article pulled up. It's titled called The Ludicrous Plot Against Fauci. It's a CNN article. Uh, the dude who talks about how the news is fake and all the time is reading CNN. I know you don't got to yell at me about that. But um, it essentially is talking about how, again, this is turning into a political game of the re-election of Donald Trump and trying to make his political ratings better because this dude is coming out and going, you know, the country's going to be open next week or, you know, the country's going to be open on Easter. And Fauci's coming out and saying, hey, that is theoretically possible. You are not completely out of the realm of possibility there, pal. But there is a fucking camel's chance in hell that that is going to fucking happen. All right? So... We need to think realistically and use like logic. And he's just like, uh, da, 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 da. you're talking against me and you're going against what I'm saying. You you need to be fired and I'm going to hide my basement and I'm going to tweet and I'm going to go crazy about all that. And it's just like, oh, my God. It, it, it really gets down to the point of like these people who are, we need to make America great again. Well, how great is America when we have a president who doesn't care about the population of the country? He cares about his reelection polls. Like, you can't tell me, like, there, there's no one who can tell me that the, the actions of the past, I'd say, four months by President Trump have been purely based on reelection and catering to his fan base of people. And his fan base of citizens who are going to vote for him. All his political rhetoric. Everything he says in his speeches that aren't just blubbering nonsense. Like the whole Lysol like, injection UV light thing. It's all catered to this extreme political side. Even during the whole riots and stuff. It's all catered to this side. It's not about bringing the country together and moving forward in a unified solution. It's all about getting him talked about in the news, talked about in the media, and getting these radicalized people to just, like, go crazy over everything he says. Like, no, that's not what needs to happen, man. We need to have someone who's coming forward and saying, hey, some of you ain't gonna like this. I know some of you ain't gonna like this. But we need to shut down for 30 days. We are going to have... Uh, you know, like lockdown, I don't want to say lockdown, but like stay at home orders in place, you know, grocery stores, hospitals, gas stations, you know, places like that are staying open, you know, but everything else, you know, like you said, with the stimulus checks, like when we're going to send out a stimulus check, everyone needs to just stay inside, stay safe and be healthy. All right. And this is going to blow over before you know it, but no, instead we're getting, you know, 
Dr. Fauci is spewing nonsense and, you know, he's lied and gone back and forth on everything, including the masks. I'm like, the CDC has gone back and forth on masks forever. And again, when you think about it, you think wearing a piece of cotton over your face is really doing that much. Like, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble. And it's hard to find real medical grade masks. But like, dude, wearing that mask over your face is basically taking your shirt and just tucking it over your nose when someone farts in a room. Like, you're still going to smell the fart. It's just going to be a little diluted. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, it, 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 it's really hard to find um, real quality masks because the medical professionals need them. And the CDC is like, yes, wear a mask. Yes, no, don't. Or yes, don't. I'm confusing myself. Don't wear a mask. Yes, wear a mask. And, like, it, everybody is just trying to throw it every which way. And, you know, Donald Trump is criticizing this one man for going back and forth on his word. Like, nobody knows what's going on. That's the whole point of why everyone is concerned. This has never happened before. There's never been a COVID-19 outbreak. There's never been, you know, a bat flu that has, you know, infected the entire world and has hit the United States as hard as this. And in the midst of all this, we have just someone who's trying to focus on his re-election. And there's people out there who are like, yup, he's the right choice. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ugh. Makes me upset. <laughs> yep. No, I mean... Just a little rant there. It's all right. Oh yeah, we're living. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just it's I I've stayed off social media for a while, but I, I see all the news and I get on like BBC especially, but you know, I I look at pretty much everywhere and I see all the coronavirus stuff and people coming into my work and not wearing masks and like there's even people who are asking like y'all really are wearing all like masks blah 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 like, yeah yeah dude. <laughs> we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm wearing my mask, even when I'm outside, not yeah, necessarily to near anybody. Yeah. Like I don't, they, they they put in a mandate for a reason. They're infringing on our rights. You can't make me wear a mask. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Whatever you say, there, pal. Oh, another interesting thing I saw about the coronavirus. Uh, South Africa banned alcohol sales again. <laughs> what? So Speaking of alcohol, did you see the hear about the new Bushlight Apple? Oh, I cannot wait. They're making the, well. It was supposed to be released today. I couldn't find it on my way home because I was going to talk about it while I was drinking it. But damn, it is what it is. But it's supposed to be like a Bud Light seltzer. But it's not a Bud Light seltzer. It's supposed to be like a Bud Light lime, or like those types of flavors. But it's Bushlight instead of Bud Light. Ooh. So it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I hopefully. mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of ciders. Like, you know, I, lo- I love yeah. me some Angry Orchard. So I, I definitely appreciate the apple. So I'm going to try it 100%. I can't wait. I think it'll be good. Anyway, so South Africa. Oh, yeah. Um, I just I saw it on uh, BBC when I was looking around earlier. And it basically has to do with um, they need to minimize hospitalizations and alcohol is obviously a big influence on lots of different issues, including drunken fighting, uh, domestic violence, where they had the uh, drunken fighting, domestic violence, and eliminate weekend binge drinking prevalent across South Africa. That was the goal by it, because they need the room in hospitals um, for COVID patients. 
Which makes sense. What's funny, uh, South Africa has less COVID-19 cases than the state of Florida. <laughs> just the state of Florida. Not, to, not, not the rest of the United States. Just the state of Florida. But you guys can go out to the nightclubs. Don't worry. Everything's safe. You guys are all fine. Keep sweating on each other and taking mm-hmm. drugs. It's no big deal. Spitting on each other and making <laughs> the bathroom and stuff. I mean, as fun as, fun as that would be, I, I, I don't know. I don't want COVID. <laughs> don't do it, yeah. And that's another thing I, that uh, has come out. Uh, young people are getting more and more affected by it. And by young people, I, I mean, like, the sort of, like, teenager to, like, 30s. 30, 33 mm-hmm. age group are becoming more and more affected by it. And I think that's because we're going back out. Like you saw like at the Ozarks and yeah. like, um, not calling anyone out, but like I have friends on Snapchat who work at nightclubs and who go to nightclubs and those places are packed and like there's people everywhere. Oh yeah. And like, well, even at our bar, there's people that come in. It's like, oh yeah. It's like, go I've been, away. I've gone up to Cafe Telegraph a couple of times, and it's like, I was hesitant to agree to it. We go up there, and the place is fucking packed, and I'm like, um, I'm gonna go sit in the chair in the corner and hide. <laughs> like, God, it's scary. And it I get yeah. so anxious whenever I leave the house too. I'm just like, uh, no one come up to me, no one talk to me. <laughs> That's crazy, man. I, I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about the new consoles coming out, the PS5 and the... Um, oh, I can't wait. The Xbox Series X or whatever it's called, I don't remember. But, uh, well, they are talking about the specs, and, like, the Xbox wins. I mean, slightly, but it was, the specs don't actually mean anything for performance. Um, but I just saw this article, and they are talking about some guy, I don't know who he is, but he releases, like, PS5 price details, because it went on pre-order today. That says four hundred ninety nine dollars in the U S. and four hundred ninety five, four hundred and forty nine pound. But did you know there's two types of PS fives coming out? Oh uh, yeah, I think the Xbox is going to be the same way. So there's going to be one that is made for just digital. So there's yep. going to be no hard disk drive, and then there's going to be one with the disk drive in it. But the disk drive is going to be cheaper. Is it? I thought it was going to be more expensive. Well, it says this. This website says. Uh, they would likely put the PS5 digital edition at around $550 or higher. Huh. Yeah, that one is just, it's a lot smaller and stuff. But, but I, I think it's I because know. you're paying for the convenience of it, of not having, uh, I don't know. Yeah, but I mainly go off it's digital like anyway, thing. so that's the way I would go, I think. if I, I do too, but I mean, I, I rent movies every one. now and then, or I I yeah. have a movie collection, so I'd have to have something to watch it on. I guess I still have my Xbox One X, but... Now, now that we're talking about it, dude, I, I think I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be switching. I think I'm definitely gonna get the PS5 really? over the Xbox because not only have I been upgrading my PC and I've been playing that all recently, I've been super into Valorant and like CS:GO and uh, more C or CS, more PC-based games and um, Demon like Demon Souls, the remake for that is coming out on PlayStation 5 and that's enough to make me you don't yeah. want to throw the money down I think you talked about this with Casey yeah oh dude I didn't so I haven't played all of Demon Souls and for those who don't know Demon Souls was made by From Software and those are the people who make Dark Souls and uh, Bloodborne Sekiro and I'm crazy into all those games and I love them 
I love the way that the story is told and I love how it's not like just, you know, laid out right in front of you. It's one of the games to where you can play it and you can beat it and honestly have no idea what you just did. Like you, you beat all the bosses, you collect all gear, all high armor, and you can have no understanding at all of what the story was, but you just beat the entire game. The way you understand the story is by reading notes that you pick up as you go and, uh, like finding certain things and reading descriptions on certain items. And it all spawned this whole sort of like dark souls, souls like game genre spawned from demon souls. And it is a classic, all the people like YouTubers and stuff. I watch who play those types of games, talk about it all the time. I had a little bit of experience with it at my cousin's house because he had it but he got pissed because he couldn't beat the first boss which lots of people couldn't and he never played it but i really want to dive into it and experience like you know the first game in that sort of from software lineage of the souls like games because i've been so into him for a decent amount of time now it would be really cool to like start from the beginning and I get my Xbox back out from the box it's in right now and play all the Dark Souls games back to back and just like play the whole story from beginning to end. It would be awesome. You should stream that. Oh, <laughs> that would take a long time. And That's I'm also, fine. I'm pretty bad too. <laughs> That's fine. You'll get people in there that are junkies for that and they'll help you play it too. Yeah. I, I streamed that on Mixer a couple times, actually, on my Xbox. But I have Dark Souls 3 on my PC, but I don't have any other ones. But I do have the a capture card, so I could put it on my Twitch. But I would yeah. I would do it. I would do run it as a series, like uh, whatever the universe is called. I don't know how to say it, but whatever, play through day one and just change the day and yeah. keep it going until you're done with it. Yeah, and I don't know about... Because like, you stream more often than me, but I've, I've obviously YouTube is a place that you can grow a little bit easier than Twitch, yeah. and um, I've, I've been thinking about doing sort of YouTube videos like that. Now, instead of doing a, a Twitch series, I would do a Dark Souls series on YouTube. And well, that, you could even you could do both. You could it. take your videos that you use off when you stream. You can download those and then just upload them to YouTube, and then just do it for both. Yeah. I, um, I found, or not that I found, like, I've YouTube videos and through some research, the only time, like, regurgitated Twitch content works really well is with bigger streamers. You, it, the, the trick with the YouTube is, is you want to have an interesting channel on YouTube to promote your Twitch, and then people go to your Twitch to see your actual gameplay. Now, your YouTube yeah. is just, like, I would play for three hours and get ten minutes of footage type thing like i would just edit it and make a youtube video and post like you know dark souls adventures number one and then follow my twitch if you want to see me do the entire thing and see me die 18 million times and that's how you would like promote over on there instead of just like yeah i don't know posting like long clips from your twitch or whatever on there but i i, I don't i've been trying to expand because i wish I honestly want to get good at streaming and I want to start doing it more, but I get so nervous. Like I set everything up, I get everything ready and I literally have the screen up to go live. And that little like, you know, voice comes into your head. Like, you know, when you're standing on the, like a really high place, like you're looking off a rock and there's a tiny little quiet voice in your head that goes, Hey, jump. 
like there's a tiny little voice in my head that like whenever I'm about to go live, it's like, hey, don't do that. You're going to look dumb. I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, you're right. And I just like never go live ever. And I, I'm always like super anxious to even though like nobody ever really watches even. And I, I, I just have to kind of get over that and I just have to start doing it, you know, and especially now at the podcast twitch that we put online i want to get more into that towards the actual end of the podcast i'm not really sure yeah. we're gonna end it but i'll pr- definitely throw the promote promotions in for that later but um uh, I, I think it's gonna change soon but i, I do want to get into it because i like streaming on twitch i think well, it, it would be an interesting thing to interact with a chat of people that i don't know and i with, think it would be fun with yeah. the whole twitch thing too i mean I know that we record with your camera for when we do live stuff, but if we get it set up enough, we could just stream it on Twitch and then download that clip and then post that clip, like use that as our clip for YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Like for the for the podcast. I think it would be awesome to do a live, um, like if we were to have an audience of people who could ask us questions, like to do a live Q and A. Like we're sitting on the couch, we have the your laptop up with our stream up. And we're just talking, shooting shit, and people are asking us questions. And we just answer, go back and forth, and do, like, a literal live podcast with the audience. Mm -hmm. Once we get enough people to join, you know. Because, like, if there's only one or two people watching, like, of course, I'm sure if they asked enough questions, it would work. But we had to... We're on those two people to do it. Yeah, we we, would have to have more people. But that's kind of something I would be super... I've thought about doing that. That's the main reason why I wanted to put up the Twitch. Like... We don't need to live stream every podcast we do, but it would be really cool to have that to do like, you know, one every once in a while where we go live to either just show how we, what we're recording early to people or mm-hmm. to have an interactive podcast in like, hey, ask questions you want to know about us, about anything, about yeah. our ideas, about stuff. Like, it would be really cool well, to have We can that promote it too really hard. We can promote it really, really hard on Facebook. Like, all right, this day we're doing a live Q&A. Like, make sure you're there. And hopefully if we promote it hard enough, we'll have at least a solid seven or eight people that would be there the whole time. And I also, like, linked our Spotify and SoundCloud to our Twitch profile. So that's, like, what people see Mm -hmm. when they go to the profile itself. So they'll boost those two as well. Super. Oh, this is really exciting, man. Like, it's honestly gone way farther than I thought it would. Not trying to, like, say I doubted us at any point in time, but... I just felt that either we would want to fall off with it or we just we wouldn't did. have put as much effort. Yeah, we almost did, but now I want to, we, we kind of, we brought ourselves back on track. It was yep. just a, it was a weird time with COVID really kicking in for us and like really starting to affect people's work and like people getting stuck at home. Like it, it changed people's attitudes and it changed people's emotions a lot. So it mm-hmm. was just a weird time. But anyway, like, we're on Spotify well, now. We're hope we're gonna be on Apple Music soon or Apple Music, Apple Podcasts soon. Um, I just need to set that up and get our RSS uh, stuff all put on there. And we have the YouTube. We just did our first guest podcast, and that went so well. That'll be uploaded before this one. I'm gonna finish that tonight. And upload it tomorrow morning. Yeah, perfect. But it, it it's just a really awesome time for creating content in general but especially just for us and our podcast because we wanted to do this for a really long time and it, it, it's so it feels productive you know like i was off today but the 
not all day, but for a decent portion of the day, I was, you know, reading and I was looking up stuff and I was thinking of stuff we could talk about tonight to record. And I, I feel productive at the end of the day. I didn't just spend the whole day on YouTube. Like I put out, you know, mm-hmm. an hour plus worth of content talking about relative issues and having difficult conversations that people don't want to have. And it, it makes me feel good when I go to bed. Like I, I, I sort of, you know, I did something, even if not that many people notice it i know that i did something positive and i put something out there that hopefully can have a positive impact on anyone's negative situations you i hope kind of talking about like getting all this other stuff going i hope that i can figure something out with my two jobs where i either cut hours on one of them or figure it out where i have more time to at least help you with the side of things of getting the youtube stuff created getting stream set up and just a bunch of random stuff like, i don't want to work two jobs for a while like i wanted to like, obviously i need the money now but hopefully i either get this teaching job or i can figure out something where i'm making more money and i don't have to do as much which would help me on the back side of things too so yeah because with just how busy you are with actual work creating content is hard and creating good content is even harder because yep. it takes a whole lot of time to put something out there that is like, you know, quote unquote good. I feel like anything that is put out there is worth watching because someone put time and effort into creating something for you to watch. But you know what I mean when I say good. Like it, it sound sound is balanced, the video looks good, it's edited right. Like it, it, it takes a decent amount of time to sit down and do all that. And with working two jobs, man, I trust me, I know how it feels. You got no time. You you feel like you would you have, don't even have time to think. You barely have time to sleep. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. It's, and that's why a, I literally that's why I haven't even finished that video yet because I've been so busy. Like, we went late on Thursday, so I couldn't I couldn't stay up and do it. Right. Worked yeah. a double Friday. Worked all day Saturday. Did a bunch of stuff on Sunday. Like so, like I haven't had time to even think about it. Yeah, I mean we'll it, get there. Oh yeah, to- and it's totally cool because we're that's the cool part about this is we're sort of figuring out our schedule and based upon our viewership and based upon how much this grows, that'll change. You know, like if, if we get people mm-hmm. listening, of course we're going to record more often. Why wouldn't we? It would, it, yeah. it, it would be, it going to be cool to see where that goes. Also, while we're talking about work, I have one story before we kind of start wrapping up. Um, so today I was working construction this morning. I work construction all day, which I normally don't do. But so I was, what I was doing was I was cleaning out like, he has, like, overgrown trees and vines and stuff next to his road. So I was cleaning out, like, a, the side of his road, like, making it look better so, like, trucks can fit down and stuff. And at one point, I was, like, pulling, like, there's a bunch of vines. Like, I'd get all the small stuff out of the bottom, and I'd just be ripping vines out of trees. And I was just fighting with these vines, like, all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And one of them I was pulling, and it came loose, like, super easy. Like, it just, like, broke. And I didn't fall, but, like, you know the weird, like, shutter steps that people, like, you see it in football a lot, like, when they get, like, their feet hit and they kind of, like, stutter weird? Mm-hmm. So, I was stuttering weird. I, like, almost doubled, like, Charlie horse my, like, calves. Like, both my calves tightened up super hard, and I guess I hit my thighs together really hard. I literally thought I bursted my ball sack. <laughs> like, I, I thought I literally bursted one of my balls. I was like, I, I was sitting on the road. And I was like, I don't feel it. I don't know where it went. I was like, like freaking USC out. Like those USC fights the other night. When oh my Paul god! Was Santos or whatever. He would get like 
he got hit with a low blow a couple times and just sat <laughs> on the ground like <gasps> it wasn't even that it hurt like it didn't like I didn't feel the pain because I thought I was just so in general rush that I didn't <laughs> feel it but like I was like feeling I was like I don't like but it feels dude, weird like, I don't it's I don't gone. know what's going on I would have been so mad if I like bursted a ball while doing that oh. it hurt so bad <laughs> I would have been just so like, mad yeah that would have been quite the bummer if you you know yeah. popped one of your balls in the middle <laughs> that'd be one ball the rest of my life Oh my! You better have some. You better have some strong swimmers. Oh my! I mean, I, it's fine. I I feel fine now, anyways. But it was just like <laughs> in the in the moment, I was like, it was hot. I was super dehydrated. Like I kept drinking water, and I just didn't feel any better. I was oh just pulling God. down these vines, and I just like I double trolley horse and almost on the way down oh, like, when I was falling. And like so, worst. like you know, when you're dehydrated, when you just start cramping from moving too fast. Oh yeah, like, there was um, I think it was. Father's Day when I was at work, literally I was running around outside and I sat down for about two minutes to, and I got a drink of water and I was like, I haven't eaten anything yet today. And to put this into perspective, I clocked in on Father's Day at 3.30 a.m. and I didn't clock out till 5.30 p.m. And I had this moment of me not eating at about 3 p.m. So I've already worked for like 12 hours. I didn't even have time to sit down and think for 12 hours. And I'm like, dude, I haven't eaten yet. And I stood up and I felt myself get lightheaded and like swinging. And I'm like, no, I haven't been sweating for the fucking longest time. And I was like, hey, I yelled out up front to one of the managers who I saw go in the office. I'm like, hey, bring me some gumbo. He's like, I got you, boss. And he runs back with this huge side of gumbo. And I went outside and ate it in about 10 seconds. And I literally never felt better (laughs) in my life. It was like Popeye. (laughs) What are you eating the spinach? Except I was when eating gumbo. I ate gumbo, <laughs> and it brought me it brought me back up to my feet, and I finished the day out. But, oh but my! I mean, I it felt does. Like I was dude. Kind of, I felt it like I was going to fall you. over. And I like I normally work out in the heat, but like I normally leave it too. Which so I was there till four thirty today, so I really started feeling it. But thank God Anna brought me food because I don't know if I would have like I probably would have died today. Like I was so I felt so bad. Yes, dude, working outside like it sucks because you don't know how shitty it is until it's too late like Mm you 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 may feel like oh i'm i'm kind of getting lightheaded and the next thing you know you stand up or you like say you're bending over and you like get up you're like whoa why is there four people standing in front of me and there was only one dude there before like you the world's just spinning when you're feeling dehydrated too like you can sit down and take a 20 minute break kill like 40 ounces of water and still feel dehydrated there's no quick fix when you like once you start getting dehydrated it's game over for the rest of the day yeah you have to like keep that shit up from the beginning or else you are like it, it's a snowball effect and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't doesn't work to eliminate it doesn't it. stop yeah i think um, so anyways almost lost my balls today we talked about <laughs> covid talk about teaching and that's about that's about i think where we're at yeah i um so you've been reading 12 rules for life haven't you yeah, I mean, in my few minutes of spare time here. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, how far are you if... Like, midway through the first rule. Uh, okay, so, uh, I'm gonna read something from the very back end of the book. That's fine. Which I, I actually, was, again, I was on this part of the book, uh, today. I read it before I went into work. And it talks about, kind of, um, emergencies, which, again, gets back into the whole, kind of, COVID thing. And I was gonna, kind of, let this speak for itself. Um, emergency. This is the sudden, sudden manifestation from somewhere unknown of some previously unknown phenomenon. Uh, this is 
the reappearance of the eternal dragon from its eternal cavern from its now disrupted slumber. This is the underworld. With its monsters rising from the depths, how do we prepare for an emergency when we do not know what has emerged or from where? How do we prepare for catastrophe when we do not know what to expect or how to act? We turn from our minds, so to speak, too slow, too ponderous, to our bodies. Our bodies react much faster than our minds. So, uh, uh, here to continue, there's one more. When things collapse around us, our perception disappears and we act. So, that kind of gets back to the whole COVID thing. Whenever we feel, whenever we had the rug pulled out from underneath us as human beings, our bodies are the first thing to react. Hence, like, mm-hmm. kind of fight or flight. This is, this paragraph is more talking about, like, uh, like you're stuck in a burning building or, like, someone has a gun pointed at you, like that, those kind of emergencies. But it, again, I think can be tied back into the whole COVID argument with people making it about emotional or political issues to where when we feel threatened, we don't act rationally. We don't yeah. act from a standpoint of logic. We act from a standpoint of emotion and we act from a defensive standpoint because we're on guard. We're like, you know, on our heels. We got our hands up like we're ready to throw down, but we're defending ourselves and we say anything we can to defend ourselves. And getting back to the whole thing, we need of leadership. We need to have a voice, whether it's from a collective group or from a person who can sort of take a deep breath realize what's going on and come to us with at least a statement that something is happening. That's all we want. Mm-hmm. We I don't need the me I don't need a golden ticket. I don't need a miracle. I understand this is going to be hard. I understand that COVID-19 is going to rock this world for longer than we probably realize. It's not going to be this one and done thing like the swine flu. This is going to yep. come around more than once. And until we treat it like that, and until we understand what we are truly dealing with, I don't think we're going to get anywhere. And that that's kind of where we're sitting right now in this limbo of do we close, do we not close? Well, are we going to get the votes from our constituents? Are they going to get mad at us? Who gives a crap? Worry about the people. Mm-hmm. Worry about us. The people who have to get up and go to work to pay off their student loans, to pay off their car loans, to live their life the way they want to live it. Worry about us. Don't worry about yourself. Yep. And, uh, that's that, a good place to end it, I think. Yeah, that's kind of, that was my closing point, if you have anything else, Dylan. Nope. Time for you to wrap her up. <laughs> for sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> all right guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the arbitrary ramblings podcast from us to you please stay safe during these troublesome times stay inside wear your mask wash your hands you know don't touch your face all the basic fun stuff and you know keep make make, make sure your family and you can stick around through all this and we can one day sit around and laugh about 2020 and joke about the rough times that we're going through right now. But until then, stay safe. We love you all. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.
All right, the word for this week is wash your hands. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you next time.